Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy. And welcome to Star Wars Sessions. You know it. The show where Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, is the subject. My name is still Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud. And joining me once more, as ever... In the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. He's an Imperial defector. He's rebel scum. He's one of the leads of Lost Stars. It's Thane Blyrell himself. Oh, we are really searching deep for these <laughs> Luke Bly puns, aren't we? Yes, sir. <laughs> You're right, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Starting off the week, well, um, had an impro. I went, had celebrated Canada Day at the weekend at a friend's barbecue, which was a. Which is good fun, very uh, late into the evening, but uh, for all of our Canadian listeners out there, I certainly hope you've had a marvellous Canada Day, but I'm never going to go near another Caesars drink again. If you know it, you know it. But um, how on earth was your weekend? Because I know you've been just as busy. It's been absolute quality on my end. It's been an absolute scorcher here in the lovely UK. It really has. Um, it's been ridiculous. It's like it's like hit the mid thirties. Like thirty five or thirty six right? the highest here, which is and that's mental. Celsius. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's Celsius. So just just under a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. It's it's been super hot. But no, listen, had a great weekend. I cracked open a few cold ones. Uh, we went and saw family up in the Midlands, which was great. And actually. I got to uh, play a little bit of the X-Wing miniatures game, which I've never played before. And my father-in-law, absolute legend, um, he actually bought me some sets for the game, which is sweet. So, I know, what a legend. legend. There we go. Yeah, got some. So I've got some of that now. Uh, so yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to uh, have you around and have a game, mate. It is quality. It is real quality. Star Wars session's off. If any of our listeners have played the X-Wing miniatures game made by Fantasy Flight Games, it's a tabletop X-Wing like strategy game. Let us know and let us know your thoughts on it because I'd, I'd love to know, just, just out of curiosity, because the game is very good. I'm a proper noob at the moment, but there we go. <laughs> That's why he wants to play me so he can defeat somebody. <laughs> You've got well, his number. Other than that, Listen, mate, I've got I've got my uh, bottle of Spitfire here. Ooh. I'm drinking a cheeky Spitfire. I've uh, I've just come back today from from the Midlands, so I'm a little bit tired. But I tell you what, I tell you what, mate, I am ready to shoot the galactic breeze. Yes, that is why we're here as ever. Let's talk Star Wars. What's the word from the cantina? Bly G88. What's been going on in the galaxy? Well, mate, our biggest news story has actually come from Daisy Ridley. She's been doing a little bit of a stint lately. I think it's to do with a a different film, the uh, Shakespearean film. That's it. Thank you. Um, So she's been doing a few, you know, like media runs around uh, mostly the US. Uh, She's been on uh, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and uh, a few other places. But first and foremost, let's have a listen to what Daisy Ridley has to say about upcoming episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, on the Jimmy Fallon show. Matt, can you do the honors, mate? This is major. Yeah. And did, when you first got the script, 
Uh, did you get the script? Is that's my question. I, or did they give you pieces of the script? No, JJ was like, "Hey, want to meet up?" I was like, "Sure." I was like, "Yeah, I want to hear the story." So JJ Abrams, the director, writer, yeah, calls you up, and says, "My yeah. friend, your now. friend, yeah, uh, we're okay, friends." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, he said, "You want to meet up? I'll tell you about it." I was like, "Sure." This was a few months before we started. Yeah, and we were in a, a public, you know, cafe. Yeah, and he fully told me the story, start to finish. No, and he was speaking at a normal volume. And I was like, people can hear us. Yeah. But regardless, the story changed. So, like, he told me the thing, and then a few months later, it changed. It did. And were you happy yeah. with the ending? It doesn't. I mean. Um, yeah, it's it's epic. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We like that. It's yeah. a bigger word than epic. Yeah. yeah. It's okay, very I like exciting. that. Really. And yeah. uh, can I ask, did you did you weep? I wept. Wow. I was in embarrassment. I, really. I can't remember a thing. You I, because everybody had to do like a rap speech. And John rapped just before me, and I was like, oh, oh, no. Fantastic. Fantastic. She's a good girl, isn't yeah, she? Old Daisy. She's a, Daisy. She's a good she's girl. Lovely. She's a good girl. Right, okay. So we got a few little... I, I think there's nothing too juicy coming out of that, but there is also some things to take away. I mean, I am shocked at the fact that Daisy Ridley just said that, like, her and JJ just had, like, a chat yeah. about the rise of Skywalker at a cafe. That, that's ridiculous. Just over a cup of tea and a greasy bacon sandwich just talking about the rise of Skywalker. What's mental is that someone was probably having a little, like, listening to the, like, in the background or something like that. You can imagine some old sweethearts just sitting there having their usual tea overhearing the plot to episode yeah. nine thinking... What the? What on earth are these absolute morons? This girl and her about? dad are talking about some weird stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That is it. So, oh man, what what the 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 thing is is that the likelihood is there is someone out there that might know a thing or two about yeah. Stoll, about episode nine, I should say, but have no idea has no idea that it's to do with Star Wars. Uh, isn't that crazy? Isn't I think that it's crazy? Brilliant. She, uh, Daisy says that JJ's gone and overhauled the whole thing. I, I, I mean, we're never going to know what happened in the walls of that Denny's or wherever they went to. But uh, I yeah. wonder how much of it was rewritten. Or, or if he was just spinning absolute yarn to her, just telling <laughs> absolute hogwash. Yeah, you never know. You never know. I mean, the, the, I think the coolest thing to come out of that little uh, voice clip is the fact that she's saying that it's epic. Yeah. And it's and it's really exciting and and she wept at the completion stuff like that. These are all good signs. These are all good signs. And this isn't you know they could say a million and one different things about it. And you'll notice that that during the release of or, or not the release, the build up to the release of the Last Jedi, a lot of the actors mm -hmm. and a lot of the people involved were saying you know this is different. They were stressing. That's right. Yeah. This one really, this one really pushes the boundaries in certain ways and whatnot. And you can kind of see what they were doing. They were kind of gearing up the audience to the fact that you know this isn't this isn't going to go necessarily the way you think. Mm. Just like Luke <laughs> says in the Last Jedi, right? And again, they put even that line in the trailers to just to let the audience know this one, this episode, this chapter. It's going to be different. They're going to change things up. But it's good to hear these words, epic. You know, that that's a good. I know it's a little. I know it's very tiny. I know it's little. But that's a precise word. Daisy isn't a stupid person, and and she has a big vocabulary. 
so yeah, I, I think that's uh, really, really exciting news. Yeah, every time I see Daisy Ridley, we mentioned this on last week's show, but she carries herself so well. She's so well presented in, every, in, that, in the way she obviously she comes across, uh, how she looks and dresses, and even the way she speaks. She's not somebody, clearly not somebody who's just prone to hoopla, to just um, causing undue excitement and madness online with these throwaway statements. She's somebody who knows what she's talking about and seems to just be very honest. So when she says it's epic and it's very exciting... I don't believe that she's just telling us what we want to hear. I do generally believe that it is because she doesn't. Because Daisy Ridley was given her big chance by JJ and The Force Awakens and Star Wars and Kathy Kennedy, but it doesn't mean she has to fangirl over over Star Wars or the franchise. And I love how measured she is. She talks about it very matter of factly. She's so pleased and proud to be part of the franchise, but. The way she the way she says things, she isn't sort of hollering and whooping. She's looking the guys in the eye, saying, "Look, this is epic. This is exciting. You know, the fans yeah. are going to love this." And it just it, it doesn't seem like she's trying to create any kind of mass hysteria. She's just telling the truth from what I hear. And and the fact that she just wept uncontrollably once it was all done just shows how much she cares and loves the franchise too much to just you know rile people up online and just and and start spreading things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. I couldn't agree more. I know, I know it's a little thing, and I know it's early days, but, mate, oh, episode nine. It's, ex- it's coming. It's exciting. It's coming. Again, Daisy continued on her charm offensive because she also appeared on Good Morning America, um, and she, she again, she had a few things to say about the rise of Skywalker. Let's hear what she's got to say. We're excited about Ophelia, but we can't have you here and not talk about Star Wars. Seventy-seven days away, but yeah. who's counting until the world sees the rise of Skywalker? Yes. Carrie Russell said the script made her cry. Mm. What's your reaction, or what was your reaction to, to the script? And the thing that was really amazing is a lot of the crew did all three films, so it was really emotional anyway. But there were a few scenes that we did where everyone was really moved. And, you know, a lot of the time the crew are doing their jobs. So it, it's not like such an emotional thing. Like, it's more technical. And, but it was some bits are re- and a lot of it is really moving. I found it very emotional. Mm. Yeah, finishing I was... Oh, now, now you get... Mess. I'm like, we got to... Yeah. I'm really excited. You have to see not it. seen a cut of the film. No, JJ has shown me a couple bits, which was very exciting. When we went in to go see the trailer, he showed me a few bits. It feels, I don't know, I don't know if it's because I've done more now, like it's always really hard to watch yourself, but this time I feel it's the most excited I've felt. Wow. That's yeah. so But do you think we'll see Ray pop up after this latest edition? I mean, who can tell? <laughs> <laughs> What I would say is I think it's a brilliant end to the story. And, like, JJ and Chris, who wrote it as well, have done an incredible job of, like, wrapping it up because there are so many references, obviously, to the nine films. Um, But also it exists in its own thing. So I think people are going to feel very satisfied. Ooh, I love that. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. More good news. I think, you know, you've got to... These these studios, dude. I know you're like really clued up in the film universe. So like, Ophelia, who who's creating that? Like, what studio is uh, releasing? IFC that? Films are behind it, and it's um it's it's a modern take on Hamlet. Take it, and it's 
um, told from Ophelia's point of view. And Ophelia's is kind of like a a funky handmaiden type thing. And I've been I've been um, lucky enough to have seen an early copy of it previously. And it whilst the film the film's wow. okay, film's fine. Thankfully, Daisy is very good in it. She is, and Naomi Watts too. So the performances are great. The film's okay, but um, it's good to see Daisy spreading her wings. But that's what all of this uh, the the this charm offensive is about Ophelia. But nobody, everyone, I... they can't not talk Star Wars. Dude, I was just about to say, like, when you sign up an actress like Daisy Ridley or an actor like John Boyega or or Oscar Isaac into a film or a project nowadays, I mean, surely you you just have to expect that some of their like media campaigns, some of the, some of that sort of stuff, yeah. some of their marketing, it's just gonna get it's gonna get covered by Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah. And it almost swallowed up. Like I, I'm seeing, like even in the comments to these videos on YouTube and stuff like that, there, you know, there are people talking about Star Wars, not Ophelia, which is kind of bless. It's kind of heartbreaking in a little bit, yeah. but for us geeks, yeah, it's great. It's isn't good. It? It's good. Adam Driver is the only one who's pretty much got a a no Star Wars clause. It's not an official thing, but he's been on Broadway recently. Uh, been very good in Broadway. He's been um, doing marketing for his Jim Jarmusch film, The Dead Don't Die. Also not a bad yeah. film, but he's very good in it. Um, and pretty much he's kind of asked, and his team have asked, he doesn't want to talk Star Wars. He's not here to talk Star Wars. He's here to discuss the project he's on at the minute because you know, he's passionate about what he's working on now. He loves, he yeah. clearly likes Star Wars because um, his passion behind the scenes is there. But when he's out and about doing junkets for other uh, products... That's what he wants to talk about. So in one way, that's pretty noble that he wants to keep the focus on yeah, I, whatever it is he's doing. I love that guy. I love him I love well. Adam Driver. He, he's he's a proper beefcake. He is thick. He is. <laughs> thick with two C's. With two C's. He's making me jealous the more I see him. <laughs> um, <laughs> onwards. Onwards with the interview before Matt... Yeah, it's before we get carried away. Yeah. But, but listen, listen. Right, so Kerry Russell... Right, it was um, obviously um, a part of the rise of Skywalker and the episode Zorin nine crew. Bliss. That's it. That's it. She said that the script made her cry, and Daisy was saying that it's an emotional. The crew were emotional, and obviously, you know, they're tying up the sequel trilogy. But that's got to be some again. You know, it's just reaffirming that I think they're really going for a strong end yes. not just for the sequel trilogy but for the whole skywalker um story i would i loved i love jj abrams and at times i would like to be jj abrams but not in this instance because he's got all that pressure on his shoulders and, and listen it's a film at the end of the day but people like, we're doing a podcast about it people worship these things so to tie up Something which started in 1977 with George Lucas, this kind of hallowed tr- original trilogy, uh, and included prequels in that, and now the sequels. To try and tie that up in in a satisfying way to, to execute that, well, I just he's got all the pressure on his shoulders, <laughs> and I, I believe he can do it. But yeah, I mean, Daisy mentions that a lot of, a lot of the movie is moving and really emotional, so I think they're going to turn the screw somewhat. On that, and I, I mean, yeah. what that could mean yeah. a million and one things, but I like that as well because I want to have a fun adventure movie because that's what Star Wars is at heart. But we're yeah. tying up nine films. I I kind of want to have a few gut punches and a few. Uh, I want the heartstrings to be pulled at some times because gonna... we're not going to get another saga film in these nine. So give us all you've got, and it seems like they might be doing that. 
they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They have all of this mythology and all the all of this storytelling to lean on, and not in a bad way because it's it's to be expected. You know, the Force Awakens set everything up. It told us and it introduced us to new new characters. The Last Jedi um, it had some twists and turns oh. in it. You know, it it it. Uh, what what does Ryan say? Subverting. Subverting. Yeah, The Last Jedi famously subverted expectations left, right, and center. Nine has to tie everything up. So, <laughs> you know, and that, and like you said, that that ain't an easy job. That is not an easy no. job. But from the sounds of things, they've got it figured out. They've got it figured out. I think and and really, they, I think they've done their homework this time. Big time. Big time. I I think everything we're hearing, again, it's early days, but the fact that these people are being so so positive about the project and openly positive, you know, they're not they're not being uh, transparent in any sort of way mm-hmm. or, or or giving out that's probably the wrong expression to use, but they're they're not giving out any mixed feelings or mixed emotions. They're they're being real honest and just being like, Yeah, it's great. It's really good. You guys are gonna love it. And and that's and that's saying something, considering, you know, they, they obviously know the gist of, of the story and the plot. And yeah, it's it's incredible. Really is incredible. I can't wait. I've been waiting for this turn of the year now, because we're coming into summer, but I love I want to hurtle into the autumn and the winter. And especially because that's my favourite season of autumn, but especially this year because we know what's coming at the oh, end of it. And dude, I cannot I wait. And the way that the marketing's been handled is it's hyped, but it also feels quite restrained. We've had the marvellous celebration trailer, and we had the first day of celebration yeah. was just Bly Walker. That's all it was. But since then, we've had the Vanity Fair article. Yeah, and you know that's about it. I say that's it. We had a whole we had a whole episode on that, but we've had sort of little nuggets here and there, and it's and yeah, we're still five months, five and a half months away. So there's plenty of time to get let this pop. The marketing's forward. been great, but yeah, exactly. They're just letting it bubble over now. It's it's been very for lack of a better better word, conservative. Yes, it's been very restrained, yeah. For for a you know, a film of this of this sort of size, they've given away a little teaser that's got people going crazy. You know, you expected like a mental teaser because yeah, like us <laughs> because JJ Abrams is doing it, right? Yeah. And he loves mystery. He loves like bringing up questions. And when you think about it, when you think of JJ's uh, other wars project in in The Force Awakens, you know, that was, like I said earlier, it's introducing us to this next chapter. It's introducing us to the next bit of the story. So that wasn't really leaving us on any cliffhangers or anything yeah. like that. The Last Jedi did. The Last Jedi did. Big time. Now, the rise of Skywalker, with the, especially with the Palpatine laugh at the end oh, yes. of, of that trailer, that teaser trailer. I mean, people have been going crazy. And people are wondering what's going to happen to Leia. Yeah. Is Luke back? In what form is Luke back? You know, what, why is Palpatine laughing? You know, why, why is this? How what's did Ray Vaccaro... Exactly. There is a lot of mystery around this. And that <laughs> is on purpose. That is on purpose. So there we go. There we go. And I love that in the interview too, she makes a point that... it. it they're going to be referencing all nine yes. films. They're going to be talking about all nine films again. So it's just re- it's just confirming that they are tying tying up the saga. 
It's not it's not just, you know, the sequel trilogy or let alone the original trilogy. It's the whole thing. The whole thing. And again, thanks to our amazing, amazing theory that was sent in by the one, the only, the legendary Dan Sexton a couple of weeks ago, that you know, one of the best ways to tie it up would be to include Anakin Skywalker in the story, surely. It would be the biggest surely. one. And I think that that statement in itself is an episode within itself. We know that JJ and Chris Terrio, the writer, have incorporated ideas from all nine films. What are they? What could they be, potentially? I mean, there's, yeah. there's, a, whole, there's a whole hour's worth of conversation there, which is actually quite exciting to think about. Well, Daisy... Um, she was also asked, is Ray coming back anytime soon? And she said, you know, who can tell? Which is a which could be anything. She said it's a great way for the story to end. She didn't say her story, but she said the story. But she did later confirm to BuzzFeed that she's not going to be in the next batch of movies, whether that's the Benioff and Weiss, Ryan Johnson, whatever that is. So she's not going to be in those. Uh, she said that it's a great universe. She's had a great time. Um, but she didn't say yes or no to coming back you know, at all. With a news article like this, it's kind of like, you know, it, you, you see it gain traction so quickly because, you know, it's non-news. Yeah. Isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's slow news day news. And it's like, that. well, yeah, obviously she's not going to be in the next mm-hmm. ones. You know, they've, they've said it's going to be set at a different time. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just making news out of nothing. And and. It's always with those sort of stories, you can always put like personal uh, twists on it and also, you know, personal agendas maybe on them. Um, so I always take it with a grain of salt, yeah. but, you know, it's not a surprise. Does that mean that Daisy Ridley's not going to appear in other um, news uh, or Star Wars um, material in the future? No, of course it don't. Exactly. Of course it don't. Because, you know, Mark Hamill, after. Uh, when they said they were making the prequels and and whatnot, they you know did he think he's going to be playing Luke Skywalker again? I doubt it, especially after Episode Three yeah. when they were like when George was like, oh yeah, no, I've had enough yeah, now, yeah, now. <laughs> and yeah, so you know, I don't know, I don't know, you ne- never say never, but hey, it to me that is non-news. I agree. Respect to BuzzFeed, um, and but and there's been a lot of interviews recently with Daisy where people are just asking kind of asinine, weird questions like this, and also about, what do you think about Raylo? Do you think Kylo's hot? If you get someone like Daisy Ridley in front of you, and that's the kind of stuff you can ask, you need to check yourself, because you, there's so much more stuff you can be asking Daisy Ridley about her yeah. you know, upcoming projects, about the one she's actually just releasing now, Ophelia, um, or just anything else. But I'm pretty sure she doesn't really want to keep asking questions, answering questions about Raylo. As much as certain, yeah. you know, the fans might want to hear... She's not gonna. She's not gonna say. Well, actually, we have a forced baby. Somebody, someone, some, someone on Reddit came up with the idea, and we thought, what a great idea! So we incorporated it. She's not gonna say that. Is she? Yes. She's gonna say, just watch the film. So yeah, I yeah. mean, it is non-news. And you know, if I ever have, we ever had the the pleasure of interviewing Daisy, I'd like to think we can come up with some slightly better questions. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, something that I. Uh couldn't agree with in news is apparently supposedly disneyland guests are stealing stealing 
Galaxy's Edge items and listing them on eBay. Now, half of me... It didn't take long. You know, that's not right. That's not right. Stealing's and bad. I don't agree with it. Stealing's bad. But, I mean, you've got to respect the hustle. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, and it's not even like... It's the most stupid it's stuff. Not, it's not even it's good like stuff. The, <laughs> I mean, it it's is. Like, but... It's like the um, like the mats that you put... What, yeah, coasters, what yeah. What is coasters thank you see i've got coasters in my home why can't it's because i've driven a lot today that's why i'm going to blame it on that but they're selling this stuff like the the coasters from ogre's cantina on ebay for like a fortune menus absolutely ridiculous yeah menus and everything so that i mean it's not a surprise is it no i mean they're selling sporks for on ebay for like 190 (laughs) bucks which is what 175 quid for a spork it was fancy a 200 pound spork no, I'm good. <laughs> I'd rather go I'm to Galaxy's Edge, hold it in my hand, and say, "Look, I'm actually. I'll take a picture of me holding it, rather than spending. Right, I'll spend two hundred pounds on spending money or or, or, or um, airfare." Right. Uh, yeah, it would. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. No, I mean, nah, not for me. I like but the fact anyway, that Disneyland are now putting they're putting employees at by the exit now of the of Ogre's Cantina. To try and stop people from nicking the menus and the They're tableware. They're not going to stop it. They're not going to stop it. If you put it in your how, sock, how are you going to stop it? You, you put it in your pocket. They're not gonna they're not gonna stop that. That's rubbish. That's just something they're gonna have to just, you know, expect to happen. That's it. Full stop. Yeah, but I will say though, if you're paying that much money for a spork or a coaster, yeah. come come and buy us our plane fare, please, because you've got enough in your back pocket. I mean, it's not cheap, is it? Absolutely. It's really not cheap. No, really I, I'd not keep cheap. that souvenir for myself you're... if I was that way inclined. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, I'd, I'd understand a little bit more. But the selling, jeez. Yeah. Fair enough. Another <laughs> bit of fun news. Uh, also, we got um, in, in The Phantom Menace, the Nemoidians asked, where are those Joydikas? Well, here they are. They're now in Battlefront 2 along with the Republic TX-130 tank. I don't know if you've so played good. Battlefront 2 recently, but those Joydikas are... are they're tough. They're pretty cool, but they're I tough. Saw, I, I saw you played it on Saturday, right? Was it Saturday you got it, to... Well, Saturday you morning, know, shoot. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, so, okay, I've not... They've, they've only been released, like, this weekend, pretty, right? Or this much, yeah. week, just gone. Um, so I've not been able to play just yet, but I'm, I'm going to play, like, a round tomorrow. And I'm going to test out the Droidicas, because I cannot wait. Um, and that's something that's definitely been missing. And also... The uh, TX-130 tanks, so sick. Again, because those were in the uh, original Battlefront games. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were released 10 years ago. So that, oh, so that is such a good addition. And, of course, we now have my favourite game mode, Capital Supremacy, is now you can play on Naboo. Yeah. So that is going to and be... And it's Naboo so, at I dawn cannot, as well. So good. I cannot wait to play that. Cannot it wait to play awesome. that. All the, 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 it looks like dusk and you've got the LED lights, like the, the street lights and the those uh, lights wrapped around the trees and it's all lit up and it, it looks lovely. And then oh, of someone's oh. trying to murder you. Oh, well, as, uh, as our wonderful Italian uh, number one listener, Andy Monza would say, bellissima. <laughs> Chef's kiss, moi. <laughs> right okay so going into and this was the news article that i was just referring to about five minutes ago Ooh. international translations for the rise of skywalker tease potential different parts so i think one of the one of the big ones uh that or some of the big ones that have come out um you've got a 
uh, is there Ukrainian or Russian? Yes. I know there's I know there's Polish, but I'm going to come back to that one because I think that's the most interesting one. Japan, Greece, Latin America, Poland, and Russia. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so so and and of course we have um, the Polish one as well, which which is a I think the one that causes the most conversation. Um, and I actually wanted to speak to my sister-in-law um, about this because uh, she she's from Poland, so therefore speaks real good Polish. Awesome. Um, and I messaged her and I said, right, well, so Dagmara, that's her name. Shout out to Dagmara. Um, she listens weekly, actually. She's, not, she, she's, uh, she's definitely a Sessions convert because she's not... Legend. Yeah, Sessions legend, because she's not the biggest of Star Wars fans, but she listens to the show. Now, that is family support. That is very right? kind of you. Thank you for lending that us is... your ears. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I messaged Dags and I said, um, can you please just confirm that, that this title in Polish, and I, I mean, I'm going to have a go at pronouncing it, um, which it's going to be wrong. It's going to be disgustingly wrong. Um, but, okay, so the Star Wars goes like, and I think it's because the W's are V's in Polish, I think. So it's Gwi, Gwitzny, Gwitzny, Wojny. I think that's it. Star Wars. Sound too bad. Skywalker. Skywalker Odrodzny. Od Odrodzny. I'm going to get an absolute slap You can never go to Warsaw sister. again after this. But, <laughs> so um, I basically messaged that because online, People have been saying that this translation does not directly mean the rise of Skywalker, <laughs> but rather Skywalker resurrection. Oh, ho, ho, ho. that is that is right, so spicy there. That is shockingly spicy. That is toilet can feel it in the next like next day at the toilet <laughs> spicy. Do you know what I mean? That is hot, but. So I messaged my sister-in-law and I said, so these people are saying this. They're saying it means this. Is this accurate or, or is this someone like misinterpreting it? And so uh, she said, so the official title for episode blah, 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 blah. In free translation, it would be resurrection. But she said almost like a born, born again thing. Uh, and she said, it's, but however, this isn't unusual because many titles are completely different in Polish. So, I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, surely that's got to be something, I think right? It's that's wicked. got to mean, like, it's crazy, isn't it? Well, Resurrection. I just remember people were losing their minds when The Last Jedi was apparently plural in other countries. I wasn't sure how they did that. Whereas this is a completely yeah. different kettle of galactic fish. To call it like Skywalker <laughs> Resurrection, I mean, that is a totally different spin on the rise. I mean, in Japan, this is what I this is what I thought was also interesting because it was one of our listeners, uh, Laura at Laura Ren Eleven. Shout out! She first turned turned me onto this idea because I I saw the article online she posted where in Japan it's Star Wars Dawn of Skywalker, Dawn of Skywalker. <sighs> in Greece, it's just called the Rise, as in Latin America, and in Russia, it's the Dawn. So either way, right. they, now I'm thinking actually they sound even more epic than the rise of Skywalker. But in terms of like how to how to take these rebirth or resurrection and dawn, to me, to me they all yeah. mean the same thing. It's the start of something, whether it's the, whether it's the rebirth or the regeneration or restart of the dawn. You know that's the start that's, of that's a new day. It, you know it's the, the the night is gone and the dawn has come. 
resurrection you know you have to be gone to come back to be resurrected i know this is literal but there's so much to take from these i think and i know we might just be looking too much into a basic translation but just reading the just reading this especially that one rebirth rise and Mm. rebirth don't sound an awful lot similar to to me which is what's getting the juices creative juices (sighs) flowing but i don't mean that in a negative way i mean that in a way that is so interesting yeah, yeah. La- languages are a funny one because, as well, I get. I suppose we don't really have the context of the culture and language around us, right? There are lots of words that we use that actually, you know, if you didn't speak English or if you had uh, no familiar familiarity with uh, English speaking culture, whether that's American or British or Aussie, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably a few things we'd say that you that that you you, you would really struggle to understand. Yeah, you yeah. might take literally, right? So I'm wondering if it's something like that. So, but it, you know, these people, you know, they're they're professional translators. You know, that's their job, and you wouldn't. They definitely wouldn't try and lead anyone down a lane that's 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 misrepresenting no, what's actually not, trying no, to they, be told. You, know, you can't just right? throw out a fake title, essentially. Yeah. No. So. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it kind of all, and this is the thing, right? It ties up with actually not what, not just what we're thinking, but what a lot of people are thinking that maybe there will be some sort of resurrection or return of Anakin Skywalker in episode the literal nine. literal return of the Jedi. Maybe. And, and even then, just like with the, the last Jedi in episode eight, it meant two people. At one point in the film, it meant Luke. And during episode seven, it meant Luke. Mm-hmm. And, but by the end of episode eight, it meant Ray. Hey, maybe maybe the rise means two things. Maybe it means three things. Maybe it just means one thing. We don't know, but it's exciting. This it is, is the exciting. beauty of the lead up, isn't it? These kind of stories, which again, so we got to stress, may mean absolutely nothing. But whilst we have them, and whilst we're in this particular moment of um, relative calm, and these kind of stories come out, it, it, it is intriguing and exciting. And I've also this is a sh- this is a call to arms. Alderanian Rose, Rose herself, Russian, the Dawn. If you could confirm that for us, that would be great. Also, Andy Monza, if you could send us a voicemail saying the rise of Skywalker in Italian. And any of our international listeners, we'd love anyone, to hear anyone. the the uh, translation of the rise of Skywalker, or Blywalker, in your native tongue. Just to, just for our ears, basically, as well. But also, if you can maybe give some give some depth as to the meaning of that are we looking too yeah. much into it or does it mean is it does it essentially translate into the rise but if anybody out would do that we'd appreciate it. i'm sure uh, you guys out listening would love it as well yeah yeah good idea mate good idea uh, i can't wait to hear what people have to say about this but i i think it could be something and it definitely relates back to that idea that oh hayden christensen was in the uk last summer you know, just for a kickabout. Was that random? Just for a kickabout? Just for a 90-minute charity game? No, he was already in the UK. I don't know. It ties up. Speculate. It ties up, people. <laughs> it ties up. Well, Dan we Sexton go. said so it on this see. show, and I still think he's a top man for that. Because it's Though he may, I may be knocking on his door if uh, Hayden isn't in it, because I'm now almost dead certain he's going to be in it. Um, so from that... 
Just before we move on to our main segment, we're going on 10 o'clock news here. And finally, at the end of this, scientists in Scotland have taught a seal to bark the Star Wars theme. We've spoken Bly Walker, Ray, Daisy Ridley. We want to know about a seal that can sing the Star Wars theme. So enough from me and Luke. Here is Zola, the baby seal himself. What a lad that seal is. I want to give that seal a cuddle. Basically, (laughs) just quickly, University of St Andrews in Scotland, they work with these seals to try and work out uh, vocalising patterns in animals so they can help them, uh, help them and study these species and also to um, basically also try and aid humans with speech uh, issues as well. So there is actually method behind the madness, but they, they, they taught them these sounds, so just basic sounds, and if the seal could replicate them, they'd get a fish, which is just very sweet. So what they started to do, along uh, so Zola, along with his uh, seal pals Janice and Gandalf, were actually shown the, <laughs> the notes to the Star Wars theme. And Zola's picked it, and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but Zola has picked up the uh, the Star Wars theme song, and uh, I only put it in there just so I could hear it one more time, because it's such a random story, but shout out to Zola, legend. It's heartwarming. It really is heartwarming. That is cute. That is so Power cute of Star and Wars. weird. <laughs> that is so cute <laughs> and weird. There you go. And impressive. Most impressive. <laughs> right. Okay, so that, I think, brilliantly leads us on <laughs> to our main discussion. So, last week on our lovely show, we received a voice message from the one and the only Isaac Pevy of Marvellous Margate, at underscore Pevy on Instagram, um, which has actually shaped our central d- discussion um, for this week. So here's the voice message, and we're going to dive in afterwards. Let's hear it. <laughs> Matt and Luke, this is your theme song. You can use that if you like, or you can cut it out. But yeah, Isaac here. Uh, basically, it's a non-Disney related question, actually, which is probably surprising. Um, but it relates to Count Dooku or Dooku. But I basically want to know your thoughts on him as a character specifically. I, I think there's a case to be made that his story is actually one of the greatest one of the great tragedies of the prequels. Now, I know that's kind of mad, considering the, like the, the trilogy of the prequels is, in fact, the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. But I think his story itself, I think there's a whole other story sitting there that kind of feels untapped. And I mean that in, in terms of story tragedy. I'm not necessarily saying the implementation of a story was a tragedy. I mean, his story was a tragedy. Uh, my question really is, do you think his motives for joining uh, Sidious uh, was basically his way of stopping it because we know he didn't agree with the Jedi way but do you think he was trying to stop he must have known that Sidious was evil uh, do you think he was trying to stop him and he kind of got too embroiled in it was um, like was he being genuine uh, in his plea uh, to Obi-Wan and the attack of the clients to basically get him to join him to um, you know destroy the Sith or is the fact that we have all of these questions, uh, like Paul Wrighton from Lucas, and I'm not interested in, I'm not being overly negative on George Lucas, I'm not interested in that, 
you know, I love the prequels, I love George Lucas' work, but, but is the, I don't know, I just feel like that scene flies under the radar where he basically reveals all to Obi-Wan. I don't know if it was poorly shot or framed, and maybe it's just me, but it does feel like that scene doesn't have the impact that it should. It feels like that scene should be a bit more of a significant moment in that film, and it kind of just doesn't. I don't know. Uh, I just thought that was maybe something to think and maybe might be a good good thing to discuss for you guys. Anyway, I'm going to leave that with you. What do you think? Again, I haven't finished listening, just a disclaimer, I haven't finished listening to the Dooku audiobook. So if this is all explained in that, then I do apologise. But anyway, I'm going to leave. I'm rambling now. So I'm going to uh, end this voice note now. Uh, yeah, look forward to hearing your thoughts, guys. Bright Suns. Yeah, thank you so much for sending that in, Isaac, mate. You're an absolute Dooku. lad. And it's all about Dooku. What are our thoughts on Dooku? I think Isaac raised some fantastic questions um, in that voice message, um, especially that, you know, there's there's a lot of untapped story with Dooku mm-hmm. and, you know, what were his intentions good? Uh, my short answer is yes. I and, and I've thought that for a very long time. I thought Camp Dooku was an underused uh, character. Mm-hmm. Um, however... You know, when you're you're telling a narrative that is about Anakin uh, turning to the dark side and Obi-Wan and stuff like that and the Emperor being the Phantom Menace and the grand scheme of things, you know, it, it kind of – it makes sense as to why they didn't look at Dooku's story quite as much as, as they could have. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that Count Dooku was actually a good guy – and, you know, was very intelligent and saw through lies of everything. He saw that through the lies of the Jedi, which, you know, they, they weren't in their best place. They, they'd lost their way with the Force. Uh, they lost their way as Jedi in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I, I feel like maybe he saw a way out was to use this Palpatine guy, use this uh, Darth Sidious guy um, to, to maybe his his advantage maybe his potential so yeah when when he's talking to obi-wan at geonosis i feel like he's being genuine i feel like he's genuinely saying to obi-wan you know join me we we can fix all this um and actually even from a political level i i actually sympathize again the way they went around it is wrong and i think there's a lot of crooked people in the organization just as there are in the republic mm-hmm. but i do sympathize with the separatists in in uh the prequel trilogy and the clone wars i i understand them I understand why they want to se- separate because the senate it doesn't work it's broken the political system is broken it doesn't work so yeah i totally get it totally get it so yeah, what do you think, mate? I think I'm so glad that um, Isaac brought up the, that scene in Attack of the Clones because the more you every time you watch it, you think this guy is literally playing his hand here, saying that guy over there he he never actually mentions um, Sidious by name or oh, sorry Palpatine by name, sorry, but he says the the Senate basically is under the jurisdiction of a Sith Lord. Now surely that should make firstly the listen the audience, uh, but more importantly Obi Wan think, eh? Can you just say that again a bit louder? I didn't hear that. But it's, it's just kind of ign- yeah. completely ignores him or the point he's trying yeah, to make. Yeah, and, and 
I agree. I think I think Dukes was, I think he was trying to you know pl- play Palps at his own game. I think he was trying to use him for political power to use Palpatine by play, being the yes man, being the man that Palps wanted him to be, whilst at the same time also having his own personal machinations behind the scenes, even going so far as to try and recruit one of the best living Jedi. And and I do and I do agree with Isaac that this scene flies under the radar because it the writing I don't know if it's bad writing it's that evil I think it's just the execution of it because that yeah. scene happens and then another scene happens after it and another scene happens after that and it's just kind of gone as it there's no it, it's forgotten. nobody ever sort of goes back it's to it and buried. thinks you know you never yeah. see a moment of Obi-Wan when he's look you never see him kind of look at Palpatine and think I just remember what Dooku said, and now I'm going to look at you in a strange way, which makes me think I'm harking back to that moment. Just like little nods to make him, you know, the, the yeah. cogs going. And I, so yeah, and I, I can sympathise with Dooku to that sense. I mean, in Revenge of the Sith, when he's uh, duelling with Anakin on General Grievous's ship, and the moment where he's about to yeah. be beheaded, um, the look of like sheer shock and surprise in his eyes when when Palpatine just says, "Doing the way he's the way he's like, ah." Yeah, he's just. I realised he he has also now been played as well, and you know he he may have been there for the right reasons, but he's about to get his head off, head cut off. Palp is going to win in that moment in his eyes. Just before the last thing you saw, other than Anakin sneering him, was the fall of the civilized galaxy. I think, and that's what because he knew the score, and that along uh, similar to how the secret of the Death Star and the rebels having the plans died with Krennic when Tarkin blew him up. I think the secret of not saving the galaxy, but restoring any kind of hope for the galaxy, kind of died with Dooku that in that moment because he was the only one who really knew what was going on. And next thing you know, his head's rolling across the floor. So I think that's why they're diving into him more. And you mentioned Jedi, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. I'm not going to go into any spoilers or anything in that book because I know Isaac said he hasn't quite finished it yet. But that mm. is extremely good. Kevin Scott's done a wonderful job of fleshing out Dooku's backstory, his motivations, the reason he is why he is and why he does what he does um, and where he came from as well. So go, taking that into uh, Attack of the Clones and the Revenge of the Sith adds, it fleshes out his character. And it's a real good one-two punch with Master and Apprentices as well because he shows up with mental sort of name track dimension in that as well. So they're really, you know, really diving more into Dooku now because I think the writers in the story group realise that George, for all of his greatness... Just, and I'm going to mention this a bit later, but he just didn't know when he had a good character on his hands. Not just getting the yeah. wonderful Sir Christopher Lee in, but I think there was so much what I could have done with yeah. Dooku. And I think it also is, I'm going to harken back to what Isaac said at the start, I think it is also one of the great tragedies of the prequel trilogy that Dooku was just overlooked. Not just the story potential, yeah. but you know the, the way he was handled. So um, yeah. I think it's a great shout. And I think it is a it is a hot shout for who, one of the worst development uh, worst parts bits of development for a character in Star Wars so yeah I think that's a great shout with Dooku I always think to myself you know I'm I'm so happy and glad we got uh, Darth Maul and Count Dooku as characters mm-hmm. but again you know would it have been better if we just had Count Dooku through the whole prequel trilogy yeah, yeah. you know would that have had would that have given George a better chance to to you know flesh out his character a bit more, add to a bit more of that complexity? Yeah, Dooku and Palpatine kind of sparring in the Senate, trying to yeah. one up each other. I mean, it may not have been exciting as more, but it could have been it, it well written if it had been written well. It could have been pretty exciting. Yeah, and it, 
espionage stuff. It's one. Of, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, that that he he's such a well written character. You know, from from really a backstory point of view, that it's it's a real shame that he is overlooked by so many people. Yeah. So many people. Uh, including Star Wars fans, you know, so that's that's a little bit of a shame. But yeah, I, I I think, like you said, I think they're going to explore that, and the Lucasfilm Story Group are going to explore that in in the future in different material. And I have a funny feeling we're going to be getting a bit more prequel era stuff anyway, especially once uh, the sequel trilogy wraps and the Skywalker saga is done and dusted, they can really start connecting up that whole story through you know that secondary um uh, phase of of storytelling you know with cartoons of comics of novels and stuff which you know they're already doing now obviously um but it's a way once you have that big picture you know you never know what you could do yeah, you're free to do There's lots of yeah. yeah so i i think it's i think it, that was a cracking voicemail really cracking voicemail and you know it's a good point it's a really good point, but watch this space. Watch this Dooku space. Yeah, we 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 purposely held this voicemail back because we received it just before we went on last week, uh, and then we thought, well, hold on, let's let's leave it for this week because maybe we can kind of expand upon it. Yeah, it's it, you again. Cam Dooku is is he's a complex character, but like you said, that magic word, our favourite word on this podcast, the E word, execution. Ex- Execution. Thank you. We said it twice there, <laughs> so that's two shots. Yeah, we've so we've said it loads this episode. <laughs> yeah. We've said it loads <laughs> yeah. already without even meaning to. We've said it loads. Oh no, we love that word, but that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So, um, Luke, any characters who you think have been given decent development? Uh, decent development. I think it's Luke Skywalker. Good show. First and foremost, I think we've seen his story from when it's really interesting to the end you know the only bit missing is that bit in between um force awakens and uh return of the yeah. jedi but then again that's that's kind of you we kind of learn all about that in in the last jedi we learn that luke goes up to set his own uh temple up and stuff and by which time the story and the focus of the force the focus of the galaxy is actually turning away from Luke, and it's ha- it's handing that over to the next generation. Mm-hmm. But even even after that, and I've 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 you know expressed this many times that Luke is at the end of the Last Jedi. He is the spark that lights the flame that burns the First Order down. He is the legend that inspires the galaxy, and we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see the results of that, the fruits of that in episode nine but i think luke skywalker you know we see him through through episodes uh four five and six i mean the development there is phenomenal it's di- it is a different person from luke is completely different in episode four to when he's in episode six and there are these people that you know say oh luke you know he's the world's biggest optimist and stuff like that and i just you know it, it grinds on me because he's not he's, he's not an optimist He's a he's a whiner. He's a pessimist. He's negative, and for good reason. 
for good reason, because, you know, he's had a naff life. His uncles put him down all the time and probably dis- discouraged him from even believing in the force or believing in his abilities because his aunt and uncle didn't want him to go to go in- into the big world. They-, they didn't want him to discover his own abilities and stuff like that. So they were constantly pushing him down. And he is a he is therefore a result of that sort of that sort of um, grooming, so to say. Uh, which is which is upsetting, but obviously we get this story that tells us all about him and and his ancestry, his lineage, his potential, his his fears, his anxieties, but also his beliefs and his his eventual optimism. You know, and I, I love him, Luke Skywalker, man. Yeah, and this story's filled with ups and downs and ups and downs. It's not just started off as a farm boy and ended up here. He's um he started off as a farm boy. Blows up the Death Star, you know, Gary Stu and all that. Then come to Empire, he gets attacked by a Wampa. He helps the Rebellion, then gets his arm sliced, hand sliced off by what ends up being his, spoiler alert, dad. And then, so he doesn't, he's had a bad time. Then even in Jedi, I mean, he's, he's more, you know, he's more the Jedi master, calm, reserved. And then and uh, in that film, and obviously he, but even at the end, he kind of starts to give in to the dark side uh, when he, ha- in order to take down uh, Vader, he has to kind of tap into everything he doesn't want to become, and then after that, the way he just throws the saber aside and says, "I'm a Jedi like my father before me." I mean, that just that line himself, when faced with the greatest evil in the in the galaxy, Palpatine, and given the choice to live or die, basically, the guy who was watching the two sons on Tatooine and just wanted adventure was ready to lay it all down in that moment by throwing his saber away, which ties in so well to The Last Jedi, which, yes, it was a jolt to see to start with, but the last time we really see Luke handle a lightsaber, he's thrown it away in the in Return of the Jedi. In The Last Jedi, he's handed that same saber back, and what does he do? The exact same thing he's just done 30 years before, throws it away again. So it's not mm. out of question. The, the way he did it could have been slightly different, but it's not out of character for him to toss the lightsaber away. He did it it's in true. Return of the Jedi for the same reasons. I never well, thought Similar that. reasons. I never thought of that. But yeah, it's just something I thought of because people say, ah, oh, they've made him into a right idiot throwing his saber away. Did you not watch him in Return of the Jedi? Rather than, I mean, surely these same people would want him to get up, get his saber and, you know, start slicing palps to pieces with it. He doesn't. He throws his saber down and says, I don't want to fight you. I'm a Jedi, like my governor before me. And yeah. Last Jedi does the same. And and, to, and during that film, he's, he's, he's the pessimist again, like you said so well. And then come the end, he's that same guy. It's kind of full circle, but he's now looking out onto those twin sons of October. It's a, it's a completely different Luke Skywalker than what, what we originally met. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. And I hope that uh, even when he's in The Rise of Blywalker, that, that you know, we we just get the cherry on top of the cake rather than any kind, anything else because it was handled yeah. so well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. Couldn't agree more. Um. For a little deep cut here for the canon novels, I think Sinji Rathfellas from the Aftermath series is a great uh, arc. Anyone out there, hit me up if you agree. But um, I'm going to throw out three names here for, for people I think have had bad development, and I could do a lot more. And I'm also going to be fairly controversial here by saying I don't think that there's oh, many characters who have been very well developed in the Star Wars movies. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, in the wider scheme of things, yeah. I don't think there's that many. But in terms of the worst... Here's three right. names for you. Phasma. Padme. Yes. And this one's got a question mark, but Yoda? Can we add Yoda? Because 
I love the character of Yoda, but he's kind of up and down with actually his motivations. But Padme started off strong and fearless and became a bit of a puppy. She just lost the will to live. And again, supplementary canon has really upped the Clone Wars and Queen's Shadows, really upped her character. And that's not retconning, per se, but it is plastering over that bad writing that George gave her. And Phasma, so much potential. And she's basically, she's just a shinier Boba Fett in the film. She looks so cool, but she adds nothing. She's just a walking mirror. And her book, also, Phasma, also gives such a wonderful backstory which they've completely ignored. So there's my three for the worst. Yoda is kind of two and a half. That's it. And it almost like when you have that much detail on a book and stuff like that, it almost, you know, it cheapens the canon. You take the canon material mm-hmm. less seriously. And that's part of the reason why I'm not as, um, you know, I'm not in a rush to read a lot of the comics and the, and the books and stuff, you know, because a lot of it turns out to be, you know, not actually beautifully connected to the films as, as you know, you'd, you'd hope. Which kind of makes sense with with how the productions are working and stuff. There's only so much you can know, yeah. right? So it, it makes sense. But do you know what, mate? I, I think you're right. I think you were bang on the money when you said, you know, there's not actually a, a, a huge amount of characters that are super well developed because these films aren't about that. Yeah, you're right. They're about a big galaxy and a big teams and big groups of people coming together to defeat good or defeat bad by being good you know so you know it's not going to be a very deep up and close personal film and there's only so much you can do with like a two and a half hour slot now in the mandalorian let's see watch this space watch this development in a a 10 hour drama saga well think about it it's going to be like it's when it when it comes to screen time live action screen time these characters are going to have screen time a lot bigger than most of our heroes and villains in the skywalker saga got to stretch it out over well now now two series big time so it, it, yeah it's watch this space watch this space yep yeah, I, I, I agree with that we could be here forever given the best and worst but let's hear from the best damn listeners in the galaxy and you guys came up top chumps on twitter we had a friend of the show, the one and the only Katie, at Katie120. She said, well, of course it's got to be Anakin. Going from that happy-go-lucky kid to aggro teenager slash young adult was done so well. Hmm. Jokes aside, the tragic fall and the redemption of Anakin is one of the best things in all of Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good one. I think Anakin's definitely up in there. In writing, it's because good, yeah. the, the, the Yes, in writing, it's good. Because the saga is... You know, it's half about him, mm-hmm. and he's always in the shadows. Even in sequel trilogy, he's in the shadows. He, yeah, Vader, Vader, Anakin, fantastic. Our other main girl, all the way from the Ukraine, Old Iranian Rose, says absolute best all come out of animation, in my opinion, which is controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree. Though. She says. Yeah, no, I kind of don't. Honestly, that's the power of modern television and a result of getting to spend hours upon hours with these characters. And then Rose, yeah, it is. It is exactly. So Rose uh, also posted images of like Kane and Ezra Maul and Ahsoka or Clone Wars and and, uh, Rebels era characters. And again, I think 
Rose is bang on the money. She is she is on it because that's what we're going to get in The Mandalorian. You have hours and hours of storytelling to tell, and it's accepted now. That sort of storytelling is completely accepted. You think of series and productions like Game of Thrones and Stranger Things that draw in millions and millions of people and dollars, yeah. right? They they are they are telling these long character driven stories. So yeah, I'm, I I agree. I think that's a great 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 answer. Look what they did for the character of Maul and Ahsoka's journey from you know again headstrong young Padawan to where she ends up at the end of Rebels. You know that journey and everything in between is that is to me is whilst I'm not overly huge on the character at times. I keep saying that, but that arc is so well done. It's a brilliant arc. By Filoni yes. and all the writers. Uh, the, Force, yes. the Force Losers podcast, that Force underscore Losers, they said, man, you guys are bringing the thick heat with this one. Well, thank you very much, guys. <laughs> uh, I'm going, well, here we go. I'm going with Ahsoka. Uh, from Padawan to Fulcrum, she's had an amazing arc thus far. She was a died mm. in the wool Jedi Padawan that transcended the dogma of the Jedi to achieve something greater, I'd argue. So, yeah, exactly what, exactly. It's a brilliantly written arc, I think. I, I couldn't agree more, actually. I think Ahsoka's fantastic and once again more more animated love yeah. which is crazy and actually we go on with with another tweet from Hoob at light of lothal who goes on to say based on this image alone i'd have to go with ezra bridger yeah. having had the best development none of these characters have had bad developments so i won't be going in that direction Ezra Bridger, again, main character of Star Wars Rebels. So pe- people are really invested in these shows. Once again, it just goes to show what um, power Disney have in, in the format of the Disney Plus uh, streaming service because they really have something special at their reach. So watch this space. Watch this space. And thanks for sending in that tweet, Lyle Lothale. Uh, the top man, Don. Uh, Don, who sent us a voicemail last week, who did our excellent animation. Thank you, Don. At underscore, 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 Obi, underscore, Don, underscore, Kenobi. That's a mouthful. This is a fantastic question. Thank you, Don. Um, worst would be Phasma, and best would be Anakin Skywalker. So two we've mentioned in those in those uh, respective yeah. categories as well. I think Phasma could have been so fair. much better. Yeah, fair enough. Couldn't agree more, more mate. Fantastic. Uh, we got Julian Kratinsky, at J Kratinsky, on Twitter, as worst character, I think Captain Phasma mm-hmm. had so much potential to be the best Star Wars villain. Again, yeah, couldn't agree more. I think that's one of the most disappointing thing with things with this sequel trilogy so far. Honestly, such a waste, such a waste of her character. They could have done with her what you what you said they could have done with Dooku. Have her be a mainstay throughout these three films. There's that menace yeah. in the background who's always there, always watching and always after you. Yes, big time, big time. Um, look who it is, it's Katie. Katie, 120. She comes back with a little bit more. She says, another honourable mention Aha. is both Thane, of course, Thane Blyrell, and Sienna Ree from Lost Stars. Both starting out as loyal supporters of the Empire. Thane then sees the Empire for what they are and defects, which took courage. Then there is Sienna, or Sienna, Blyanna, however you want to say it, who remains loyal, but she goes through so many hardships, which toughens up the troubled soul. Claudia Gray's writing for these characters is top-notch. The way these two are written in Lost Stars is magnificent. And I stress one more time, for anyone who hasn't read or listened to Lost Stars, it is fantastic. And the characters of Thane Kyrell, slash Blyrell, and Sienna Ree 
are so well fleshed out in this book that they put some of the characters mm. in the movies to shame. And Claude Gray is a master writer. Mm. That's good to hear. It's, it's really nice to hear that, that, that there's a mention from characters in, in, in the books. Um, and I, once again, I, I hear you loud and clear with that Lost uh, lost Stars uh, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Uh, on that, on that point there, my man, the uh, the Canadian Queen, Laura Wren, I've already mentioned her, she actually sent a message and demanded, and I stressed the word demanded in capital letters, that you, Master Blywalk, uh, listen to the audiobook of Bloodline as a starting point and I actually agree because it's a fantastic really it's a fantastic starting point because it's that Ooh. it's that sort of serious more mature side of Star Wars with the political aspect and very very strong characters great tie-ins to what we know before great revelations to what came after and um Laura virtual fist bump I'm with you on that Blywalker okay Bloodline. okay 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 I'll, I'll I'll you know what I'll have a little look on audible tonight I'll have a little look. You've broken I'll him. see what I'll see what we can do. I'll see what we can do. I'm not making any promises, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Watch this space. One day. One day. One day. And then next we have a regular, regular, absolute ledge, Eric Eilerson on Twitter. It says it's got to be Ezra out of the list. Look Again, more Ezra Love. He was a street rat who couldn't trust anyone and then becomes a powerful, wise Jedi with a real family. His ability to love and sacrifice is so beautiful to see by the end of Rebels. Again, I, I'm shocked by how much Rebels is getting love in this. It's fantastic. It's nice to see. Yeah, some of the best moments in Star Wars have come from Rebels, I think. And the more when you step back and think about it, they were the all of them, even Kanan, they were so well fleshed out. So Eric, Eric, Eric Blylison, I'm throwing it out to the listeners now. Fantastic <laughs> show. Uh, Joe at Jedi Oncer says, oh, "Here we go, tin hat on. Don't come for me," he says. But does Leia really have an arc in the original trilogy? She's awesome in A New Hope, and just stays awesome through Return of the Jedi. So I guess mm. through the original trilogy, I mean, trying to see what he means. I mean, she starts off as. You know, fearsome, going up against Vader. She doesn't crack under the pressure. Uh, and yeah. she obviously save, saves the guys from... Uh, she gets the guys out. Empire, she's a leader in at Hoth from there. And in Return of the Jedi, other than... Even though she is slave layer, that's kind of more to do with uh, the ineptitude of Luke's plan. And then she's the Hut Slayer. She kills Jabba and then goes on to, you know, help take down the Death Star uh, on Endor and... You know, it just stays awesome throughout, and I guess the sequel trilogy is giving her more layers, but it's the extra canon in which is building her character. Yeah, you know what? It's something I never really thought of, but I guess it's, you know, I think he's got a good point here, you know, and it's it's one of those things where you're very quick to, to jump to conclusions with the prequel and sequel characters, mm. but actually the original trilogy, you know, you can kind of, without even realising, treat as sacred, whereas actually... You know, it has its faults. It has its problems. And um, it's a very good point. It's a really good point. And yeah. then, again, there is a lot of things you're told that you, you just have to believe, mostly because there's no other choice. Otherwise, the films would be like eight hours long each. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? You, it, becomes, it becomes unreasonable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It's, it's a very, very good point. And thank you for sending that in, Joe. And then finally, from the Twitterverse, we got Corey Helton at Doc Star Wars MD. He says, Anakin, baby. <laughs> the Revenge of the Sith novelization does wonders. 
for his arc. And again, more Anakin love. Yep, and more supplemental canon helping to build the characters. So what does that say about George Ronaldson? But yeah, I think Anakin had a great... <laughs> and that, that actually, that novelisation is, is incredible. I think it's Matt Stover who wrote it. It is awesome. So, but yeah, thank you very much for that, Corey. Let's jump on to Instagram. Um, the boss lady, Genevieve Therese Remy, at Remy. I absolutely love Ahsoka and how she was developed. She's definitely up there with the best. I can't really think of a worst. Even Anakin had a good development or fall. He, he just had awkward dialogue. He certainly yeah. did hate sand. A few months ago, I would have said Ray, but uh, I will hold judgment. Uh, I'll hold off judgment on the current trilogy until it's done, which is fair enough. Yes, yes, spot on. This answer is terrific. Absolutely terrific. As per usual, Genevieve, always delivering the goods. Couldn't agree more. And up next, we have at Gavbacker, absolute <laughs> ledge. Gavbacker's actually a brilliant, chewy or wiki cosplayer here from yes, the uh, UK. Uh, and so check him out on Instagram. That's at Gavbacker on Instagram. And thanks for sending in this message, mate. He says, uh, I don't mind not having a full backstory for every character and think a bit of mystery is cool. Yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Yeah. However, I really don't think Poe has the screen time he deserves yet. He's a good looking fella, lot of presence and charm. Seems like he's been wasted. I I sort of agree. I sort of agree, but I kind of, um, again, I understand why he's not had enough screen time, screen time. Um, but we're definitely seeing uh, them as a gang, as a trio. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Finn, uh, uh, Poe and Ray in the, the Rise of Skywalker. They're, they're together for a lot of it. So I think your, your kind of like wish is going to be it's going to be granted in episode nine. I, I, I really believe that. But yeah, thanks for sending that in, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, love, 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 love the cosplay yeah. quality. And what a name, Gav Backer. <laughs> I love it. Um, the Queen of Cool at Sam Rocky Dork. Uh, this one hasn't been mentioned. And I, I again, to use a Luke uh, Bly phrase, I couldn't agree more. She says Palpatine has awesome development. Now, in, in the OT... Nothing. He's just a he's a hologram, and he's just this sort of creepy old dude who just turns up at the end and and speaks with a cool voice, and then gets thrown down right. a shaft. The prequels, though, Ian McDermott mm. is chewing that scenery, he's hamming it up, but we get backstory for Palpatine. So leading into the OT, we know who this guy is, we know where he yeah. is, where he's been. It's like a Backstreet yeah. Boys song. So and I think, and we, it looks like we're going to get more in the Rise of Skywalker, and again. Here's that thing again. The comics and the novel, well, more the comics actually, have really added extra layers of depth to Palpatine. The Clone Wars did. Rebels has done so. But as much as the prequels are maligned and laughed out for their memeability, especially when it comes to Palps, that I think George did a very good job of fleshing out Palpatine's character because in the OT, he was just this, you know, bloke who got mentioned and then got thrown down a shaft. Uh, don't come at me, but pretty much what he was until the prequel trilogy really gave him his time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I think you're right. And again, that's the benefit of the prequel trilogy. Exactly. And, and actually the overall story of the prequels is fantastic. It's genius, but you're right. Especially in the original trilogy, we, we again, you kind of are just told this is the emperor. This is the big bad guy. You have to believe it. And that's it. That's what storytelling, you know, sometimes comes down to. You just have to but go as, along as with Gav it. As Gav Becker says, 
that can work though. The mystery can actually work. You yes. don't always need to know everything. Yes. But when it's execute, executed well, like it was with Palps <laughs> and the prequels, it's only a benefit. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Fantastic. And thank you so much for sending that in, Sam. Absolute ledge. Uh, we got at Daisy Antilles, quality name. I do think Ray has good character development, even though many people will try to convince me otherwise. I think Padme has no real development in the prequels. Again, two characters that have been mentioned already, um, mm-hmm. especially with Padme's not-so-good development, which it's I kind of agree with. Yeah, kind of agree with it. Well, here's one. At Jump, at jump Hyperspace, uh, also Hot Carl 1989, the best Palpatine but hear this one, the worst, mm. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren himself nah. up for worst development. What are you thinking? <sighs> I don't know. Namesake? I don't know. I like Kylo's development. I like it. And I really love Kylo as a character, so maybe I'm a bit biased. But I think he's got pretty good development, all things considered. I think we have more development from Kylo than Rey. Yeah, I think, and I think we've only got more to come, obviously. But I think Kylo's development is going to be... Just as, if not more interesting, because where does he go from here? Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I, yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, watch this space episode nine again with all sequel trilogy characters. You've got to, you, you have to give them a bit more of a, of a benefit just because we haven't seen their whole story yet. So yeah, yeah. Okay. and then we got some other muppet on Instagram. Don't know who it is. Some absolute mug called Leaf Outlook said best gonk, gonk droid. Uh, worst gonk droid. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, his story is all summed up in one word. Gonk. gonk. He, yeah, he, that's it. He turns up in his place. What's he doing there? What's his Absolute, motivations? Absolute he come mug. Don't know what he's doing. He needs to get over himself. Whoever this leaf it out Luke is, he's got a point. I like this guy. I think we should get him on the show. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. We'll see if he's about. And uh, also, we had uh, KitKat495. What a ledge. Best Ahsoka. Worst. Kylo Ren. So we've got another anti-Blilo there. Again, maybe that maybe come the end of the Rise of Blywalker, this will all be, everyone will turn their turn change their tunes. And again, these opinions are absolutely valid. So let's just see what happens after the Rise of Skywalker comes out. Uh, interestingly, we also haha, we also lit up the uh, social media fuse and threw it into the Twitterverse in the form of a poll. And we were talking trilogy enders, specifically Revenge of the Sith. And Return of the Jedi asking if you, you out there could watch one right now, as in right this second, what one are you watching? Uh, 354 votes later, we had a result. It, did, it started one way, and by the end it swung the other, and it stayed that way until the end, with 37% of you picking Revenge of the Sith, and 63 going for Return of the Jedi. Do you agree with that? Um, Yeah, I do. I do. I love how much you cherish Jedi. Yeah, I I do. All in all, I I I'm, I'm, I agree with that, and I love Revenge of the Sith. It's my favourite of the prequels. Um, but yeah, I I agree with that stat. And we had uh, again, we had we had some listener comments on this. Couple of comments here from what the guys out there were saying. And here's the selection. MC Myers said, "I've never thought that Return of the Jedi was the best place for those characters to end up. I think the concept of another Death Star is lazy, and the arc of the main characters is clunky. Han and Leia." Yeah, just meant more in Empire. I've never hated Return of the Jedi, but I've never been happy with it, which is interesting. That is an interesting point, and I, I, I kind of, I love Return of the Jedi just because it brings those good vibes. But 
Um, yeah, I, I see your point. I see your point, MC McMyers, cheeky boy. Um, up next, we've got Joshua Blumel, who says, I enjoy it both thoroughly, but i got to go with Return of the Jedi again. I'm with you there, mate. Miss Mandy simply said, always, with a gif of Return- Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan. Oh, naughty, naughty, naughty little, naughty little prequel gifts are the best. Uh, Epic go. Film Guys said, I'd watch any Star Wars movie before Jedi, even the animated Clone Wars movie. Really? Literally anything else that happens in Star Wars is more entertaining than watching Ewoks. Jar Jar is more entertaining. Grenade um, thrown? Yeah, I mean... I kind of don't agree, but fair enough. Everyone has their worst uh, Star Wars film, and this is definitely this guy. It's quite refreshing to it not be The Last Jedi, actually, that somebody really like, sort of like vehemently dislikes. But, hey, fair enough. I mean, the Ewoks aren't my favourite parts of canon. I've said that before. Uh, and this, you can see why um, uh, Kurt's left on that. But I enjoy Return of the Jedi as a good, fun adventure film. Yeah, yeah, it's a good fun adventure film. It's a fantastic fun adventure film. Uh, J.D. Jones, Return of the Jedi <laughs> over Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I, I, like, I bet my my reaction there probably seems really confrontational. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm angry with them. Like, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was just laughing. I'm just, I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing at that. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, um, Put him up. yeah. Return of JD Jones prefers Revenge, uh, Return of the Jedi <laughs> as well. Okay. Uh, sorry, <laughs> he's off. <laughs> okay. Next, next. Uh, Jeremy uh, at Gcam eighty six. Only way I'm watching Revenge of the Sith is with, uh, is with the riff tracks commentary. <laughs> what? What's that? You know what? I, I actually don't know what the Riff Tracks com- <laughs> comedy is. What is going on? Anybody out there know what it is? Okay, that's well. Let's let's have a little look at that later. <laughs> and finally, before before Luke blows his top at those film guys, um, Varangian Vigilante, Revenge <laughs> of the Sith, because I love a happy ending. <laughs> the bloodlust is real there. I'm just, I'm still laughing. I'm still <laughs> laughing at how I, I can't wait to listen back to this to see how much. The that epic film set him off. Oh, bless. I didn't mean it like that. It was just, uh, I was just lost in my own thought. And then, okay. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm going to tone down the swearing, the anger. You're giving me a real hard job editing this out, mate. Yeah. All right. That's me done. Okay. Oh, and that is also uh, Session Spotlight done. I want to shout, want to thank Isaac, firstly, for coming up with the question which sparked this entire debate. Um, it was a wi- uh, So thank you so much, Isaac. Keep them coming in. We love your voice and we love your voice messages. And every single one of you guys out there who took the time to give us your thoughts, your opinions, your arguments, your fights in Curtin and Luke's case. Uh, and it really it sparked some great debate. And again, we could have gone on for hours with this, and I know you out there could as well. So the end, the conversation doesn't end there. If, if you're listening back and you want to throw some more at us, uh, do so, but just try not to uh, poke the beast that is Luke Bly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he, he, he started. But, oh. So let's get on to the, uh, the Steve final little segment. We know it. You love it. It's canon character spotlight. If you don't know it, me and Luke are assigned a very random uh, part of canon 
uh, and again, anyone from comics, books, TVs, films, insider comics, whatever it might be, we are we are given a random number which correlates corresponds to a character, and we just shine a little shine a little light on them. So it could be anyone. So after that rambling introduction, Luke, who did you get this week? <laughs> I'm still laughing. Sorry, I'm still <laughs> laughing got epic at the film, fact guys. that I can. Honestly, it's, it's like <laughs> I just switched personalities. I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it came oh. window. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. <clears throat> I'm being serious. I promise. Canon character spotlight. So the seventh sister, uh, a female Mirielan, 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 uh, inquisitor who served the Galactic Empire and operated as a Jedi hunter in the years before the Battle of Yavin. She was tasked with tracking down Ahsoka Tano, a prominent figure in the rebellion against the Empire by the Sith Lord Darth Vader. Following the death of the Grand Inquisitor, the Seventh Sister sought to replace him as the leader of the Inquisitorius. In the fourth year before the Battle of Yavin, the Seventh Sister came into direct conflict with the Spectres. She fought them on many occasions aboard an Old Republic medical station in Hammertown on the planet Taco Bow uh, in attempting to kidnap Force-sensitive children and um, on Garrel in an attempt to destroy the Rebel fleet. The Seventh Sister was ultimately killed by Maul on Malachor. Notable appearances, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith comic and Star Wars Rebels. Yes, Maul's got his first notch on the death list. Uh, and if I remember rightly, he murdered her quite brutally in that scene um, in Rebels as well, off screen. I got, oh, this is, a, this is a blinder. Okay. Look at the first syllable of that adjective there. My, <laughs> my, and I, my randomly selected canon character is none other than Jordan Bly. Shut up. Jordan Bly, B-L-Y. He was a human male who worked in Basildon Essex. No, he was a, a human <laughs> male who worked as an arms dealer during the Cold War between the Resistance and the First Order. Like many, he sold to both sides of the war, but unlike others, was very cavalier and open about it. In 34 years after the Battle of Yavin, he attended a party hosted by Baron Yasto Atzman uh, on board his yacht, the undisputed victor on the planet Cantonica. While at the party, he unsuccessfully attempted to seduce Sentata Resad before being murdered by the Dornathmethian Lexo Suga on orders from, oh boy, from Contessa Alessandrix Delga Contanica, Cantonica Provincion. Wow. She's that guy, dude in The Last Jedi who just went, oh, when um, the casino was being oh, ram right, okay. uh, Notable appearances, the Canto Bite novel, Specifically, the ride short story. So, Jordan Bly, we've got a Bly pun without even. I mean, that's fantastic. That's just, it's meant to be the force working in mysterious ways. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We could make a song out of that. So, the Seventh Sister and Jordan Bly, but uh, that's canon character spotlight. I'm just still cracking up at the. <laughs> my response to those poor guys. This those show is going to get the most guys. listens out of all of them, just from Luke pressing rewind, going back and listening. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Should we? Uh, should we go across the pond and listen to some wise words, mate? Let's do it. This is our a little poem we get from the poet laureate of the show, Curtis Smith. I heard that Curtis Smith and Superman once had a fight, and do you know what? The loser had to wear his underwear over his outfit. So I'm still trying to work out how that fight <laughs> went, but Curtis Smith with his poem, Maz 
the Fixer Canata. Take us away, Ledge. Maz, the Fixer Canata. Orange head like a raisin, but round, where all of life's answers are found. Huge specks on your face, there's no Lasix in space? Has Luke's lightsaber lying around? Find me on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Poetry. Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. There he goes, a poem by Old Tangerine Head. What do we think about Curtis and his words? Well, I, I know what I think, mate. And I think that Thingers of Curtis is always a Curtis, always a legend. <laughs> yes. America, you're a lucky continent having such a great man. Come over to England one day and just talk poetry to us. We'd love it yeah. more than anything. Curtis, thank you once again for your awesome poem. Do keep sending them in because we love it and you're a legend. But that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions. But you know very well now that the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone, especially us. So where can the world find us online, Master Blywalker? Well, they can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. That's at Star Wars Session on Twitter. They can slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to drop us a voice note or message to our email address, S ws at whatawatchedtonight.co.uk that's sws at whatawatchedtonight.co.uk we are also uh, very much on anchor fm spotify uh, apple podcasts anywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast we are there and if you do love the show please if you have the time leave us a good review on your podcast platform of choice because it really helps get the show out there even more and we really really appreciate your kind words yeah, absolutely. And please, 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 please tell all of your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your colleagues, tell your sand people, tell your Ewok, tell even the epic film guys, <laughs> even though you might, even though you might come across as being uh, confrontational uh, <laughs> against them on a podcast and tell your cousin the more the merrier the spicier even if you hate Return of the Jedi this is the podcast you're looking for now this is podcasting so until next time from me is see ya and from Luke may the force be with you always <laughs> they are Essex based podcast heroes Andrew Club.